You are listening to the official podcast of the Mission Redlands. We are a growing community living out God's radical love. That was amazing. It was so good to be in the presence of God with all y'all this morning. If you don't know, I'm Pastor Jason, and um, uh, I've been in and out of town a lot recently. Um, But yes, I am still here, still uh, plugging along. And uh, man, I I said this to to the advisory board. Um, the other day when we were having a meeting, but I, I've, I've been to a lot of places recently. I've been to, uh, we went to Greece. I went, we went to Rome. Um, I came back to California for a week. Then I went to Ohio for 10 days. Then I came back to California on daylight savings time, which was weird. And I've just done a lot of traveling recently. And man, I just want to say there's no place like home. There's no place like the mission right here. Um, I love this family. I love being a part of this family. I love watching people come into this family and step into their giftings because we make space for it here. That's one of the most important things to me is that we make space for people to step into their giftings. If you, if you have a unique, we believe that all of you are uniquely called by God to do what he's gifted you to do. And in this family, we make space for growth. And so that has nothing to do with what I'm preaching on today. But man, the Lord laid it on my heart and I just wanted to share it with you. Um, uh, Yeah, I've been in a little bit of a heavy season. I don't know if anybody else has been going through a heavy season, but um, but just being honest, I'm not I'm not super great at uh, at putting on a mask or, you know, like, uh, like I do when I have to, you know, sometimes, because sometimes it's not appropriate, but in family, it's okay to be vulnerable, you know, and, and, and just tell the truth, you know, and so I've been in a little bit of a heavy season lately, um, but I love Thanksgiving. Who, who else loves Thanksgiving? Like, I, I love it. Um, I, I love Christmas even more, but we're not going to get to that yet because my neighbors actually have this inflatable thing in their yard. It's a giant turkey sitting on Santa, and, it, and, it, and the turkey's holding a sign that says, not yet, fat boy. Or, <laughs> Um, so who's like, no Christmas music until after Thanksgiving, right? Yeah, yeah, right, yeah. Boo, boo all of you. I'll take the, all the, give me all the Christmas music, but, um, yes, and the movies too. Yep, for sure. Um, I love Thanksgiving. It's not just the food for me, although Thanksgiving food is some of my favorite food. Um, so I want to know if this is just an Ohio thing, but does anybody here on Thanksgiving eat? Sweet potato casserole. Okay, okay, a few hands, few hands, okay. Because that's like one of my favorite parts about Thanksgiving. Um, and, and I only make it once a year, and I probably won't make it this year, but uh, it's one of my favorite, favorite things about the Thanksgiving. I also just people just seem to be, and maybe it's just me, but people seem to be more open to gratitude. People are thinking about thankfulness, and I love that about this season. It's like, you know, somebody who who you might not have a conversation with about thankfulness around this time of year, lots of conversations are happening. 
You know, maybe it's your coworker at work that, you know, um, while you guys are are uh, scarfing the Thanksgiving meal at work or whatever, you know, like, I don't know what it is for you, but lots of people have thankfulness on their mind around this season, and I love that. Um, I actually think it's really important, like, thinking about what we're thankful for and and having a heart position of gratitude, because that's where we're going today is the heart position. I'm just going to give you that right now. Like, I'm going to spoil later, but um, the heart position is where we're going today, and I love that around this time of year, people take on a heart position of gratitude, but I really think it would be a really cool thing if we focused on having a heart position of gratitude year-round, because I think we just have so much to be thankful for, and even in the seasons where we're going through it and things are tough and we don't understand, like, we can look back on all the beautiful, wonderful things that God has done in our life. Maybe we're not feeling that right now. Maybe it doesn't feel like we can reach out and touch those things right now, but they happened because we know, because we were there right? And so we can recount these things that God has done in our life and stay faithful through, um, through the, the low times and continue to be thankful for what God has done in the past and what he will do in the future, right? Because until we enter through the pearly gates, does anybody really know if the gates are pearly? I don't know. Maybe that's just me. That's a question I have, but I'll study that later. But, um, but until we enter through the gates of heaven, like, God's not done, right? He's, he's not finished, right? We're, we're unfinished, right? We're not going to be finished until we see Jesus face to face, right? And, uh, and so I just, uh, I think it's really important to exercise gratitude all the time, all the time. And, and I, I don't, like, you know, I, I get irritable and stuff like that. Pastors get irritable and grumpy and selfish, you know, just uh, my wife will tell you all day long. So, um, but, um, but it's a practice of a mental, uh, it's a mental choice, but a heart position. Gratitude is, is, is a position of the heart. And um, I think, I think the thing why it's so important to, um, I think why it's so important to, for Christians to really have gratitude at the center of their heart position is because thankfulness comes from a place of embracing humility. Thankfulness comes from a place of embracing humility. Like I'm thankful that God did things in my life that I could never do ever, right? He pulled me out of the pit, you know? He dusted me off and called me son, you know? He pulled me out of the, out of the bed with the pigs, you know? And he, call, he called me son, and he wrapped his arms around me. And even to this day, when I step away from him and do my own thing, He's still, he's still right there. 
He's, he's waiting for me to turn around to him and just come, come back and embrace him. Like, he never leaves. He's, he's faithful. The faithfulness of God is, is something that I find myself thinking more and more about. It's like, it's not him who leaves or gets distant or whatever. It's usually me, right? And the things that God did in my life, I could never do on my own. And even to this day, when I, when I step away from him, even if it's for a brief period or, or whatever, he's always waiting to embrace me, for me to come back and say, God, I'm sorry. I, I ignored you. I, 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 did, I was impatient. I, I went my own way. You know, I forged my own path, and man, it didn't end up so good. And so please forgive me, help me. You know, and I, I believe that thankfulness, especially in the Christian life, comes from a place of humility, like true thankfulness, true gratitude. And uh, humility is absolutely an essential to the life of a follower of Jesus. Now, notice I didn't say Christian. Because I think in many ways, especially in the U.S., we are seeing Christianity take on more characteristics of the culture around us than, than the characteristics of Jesus. And I do not want this place to take on cultural characteristics. I want this place to be filled with people who are looking more and more like Jesus every day. And humility is absolutely an, an essential part of that. But it comes down to the heart position. And so um, in a minute, not yet, we're going to look at Luke 18. And uh, if you want to turn there ahead of time, you can. But um, this, is, uh, this is Jesus, and he's surrounded by people. And uh, he, he gives this, um, this parable. And parables are stories that Jesus tells to, te- to, to make a point to a group of people most of the time. And this particular parable involves righteousness, the word righteousness. And, um, and righteousness is one of those words sometimes that we throw out in church, but we don't define you know, and I feel like sometimes that can be confusing. Like, are you talking about the righteous gemstones? Like, what are you talking about? You know, like, um, like, uh, and so I just want to be real careful and define righteousness. Okay, so righteousness is the act of being righteous, right? And so the definition of righteous is this: righteous is acting in accord with divine or moral law. Free from guilt or sin, morally right or justifiable. Acting in accord with divine or moral law, free from guilt or sin, morally right or justifiable. So Jesus is in a mixed group of company. He's, he's got a whole bunch of Pharisees um, in his midst, and he has some of his followers and um, and these, if you don't know what a Pharisee is, it's a specific type of, um, 
of Jewish person that's found in the in the Bible. Um, and they're very well educated, very, very knowledgeable, um, very well respected in the community. Um, and this parable mentions a Pharisee, and it also mentions a tax collector. And so the tax collector, I want to point out before we read this, the tax collector isn't just like H&R Block or something like that. You know, it's not, it's not like uh, uh, an accountant, right? Like, it's like Tony Soprano. Like, think of that person. Like, someone who you would not want to encounter in a dark alley at night, right? This person is like, you know, um, he, he is despised by the respected people in the community. He's like, um, you know, almost just hated by his own community because he's morally gray, right? And so you have, this, you have these two people, one who's very religious, very religious, very well respected in the community, does, um, you know, right acts, acts that are looked upon as good and favorable, and this other guy who's, who's um, shaking down people for money, right? And kind of like almost like a loan shark, right? Like that's, that's who we're dealing with, a Pharisee and the tax collector. So I just want to set that up before we read this because Jesus says something very profound here and also very relevant today. And this, what we're about to read would have had people shocked in the room. Like their jaws would have hit the floor. Um, and so let's read this. So we're going to start out at Luke 18, verse 9. I'm reading from the NIV. Um, so here we go. Luke 18, verse 9, NIV. To some who were confident of their own righteousness, this is who Jesus is talking to. So there's people in the room that are confident of their own righteousness. Now, what does righteousness mean? Moral, okay, yep, yep, be, uh, let's see, um, more, uh, divine or moral law, follow, uh, be in accord, uh, free from guilt and sin, morally right. You weren't expecting me to ask you a question and expect an answer, huh? When I ask a question, I expect an answer, people. I'm just kidding. Not really. Um, so, verse 9 says, to some who were confident of their own righteousness, that's who Jesus is talking to right now, looked down on everyone else. They, these people looked down on everybody, everybody else. Jesus told this parable. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you that I am not like other people robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all that I get. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He wouldn't even look up to heaven, but beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. 
I tell you that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled. And those who humble themselves will be exalted. So good. So good. I, I, I came across this, this parable. I hadn't heard it in a while in my devotion. And it just, man, it just split me in two. Like, I, I just, I love it so much. And so ver, let's, do, let's do like a little character study here, okay? So we're, we're going to take the Pharisee first. So uh, God, God gives us, uh, Jesus gives us this picture of this Pharisee. And remember, there are Pharisees in his company, right? Like there are people who are confident of their own righteousness, right? And so um, verse 11 says, the Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you that I am not like other people, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all that I get. There, I, I just, I have a feeling that there was just like disgust in his voice. Can you hear it in the text? Like there was like just disgust, which is sad. He's judging and looking down on others who aren't like him. Now, tell me the truth. Has the church ever been guilty of that? Judging and looking down on others who aren't like him. That's what he was doing. The Pharisee spent more time listing his own accomplishments rather than thanking God for what he had done in his life. And justifying by his accomplishments, right? You know what, you know what Jesus says in Matthew 23? This is also directed at Pharisees. Verse 25, Matthew 23. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You clean the outside of the cup and dish, but inside they are full of greed and self-indulgence. Blind Pharisees first clean the inside of the cup and, and dish, and then the outside will also be clean. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. These are strong words. There's an exclamation point right there. Come on. You hypocrites. You are like whitewashed tombs. This is one of my favorite verses in the whole Bible. You are like whitewashed tombs which look beautiful on the outside, but on the inside are full of the bones of the dead and everything unclean. In the same way, on the outside, you appear to people as righteous, but on the inside, you are full of hypocrisy and wickedness. Oh, man. Whitewashed tombs full of the bones of the dead. See, Jesus is getting at, you can do, like, I, I, I feel like so many times in the Christian walk, we try to adjust our acts rather than our hearts. 
We try to address the act first rather than getting to the root of our heart's position and why we're doing what we're doing. Jesus is saying, you can give a tenth of all you get. That's great. Sure, go for it. But it doesn't change your heart's position. That tenth should come out of your heart first, not just to brag about it. Right? Your heart's position has to be addressed first. It's like... It's like trying to wash the windows of your car with a dirty rag, right? You're not going to get anywhere, right? It's because you need to start with a clean rag to actually get your windows clean, right? I just came up with that analogy, but I think it works, right? Does it work? Okay, okay, cool. All right, I'm going to move on. Um, we have to, the, Jesus is, is, with the point that he's getting at is Jesus, like you can, you can be whoever you want in society, and society can look upon you with great, you know, respect and envy. But if your heart isn't right, the, the righteousness isn't true. It's not true. It's false. It's full of the bones of the dead, right? So getting your heart position right first is key. Now let's take a look at the tax collector. Now, now remember... The picture that Jesus gives of this tax collector and, and in the culture, this tax collector, you know, he, he, wasn't, he wasn't just like, you know, like, a, like a, an accountant or something like that. Like I said, like he, he, he was a bad dude, right? And, and so verse 13 says this, but the tax collector stood at a distance so he wouldn't even, he wouldn't even come close. Like the, the Pharisee came right in the center and stood off by himself, like in front of everyone. The tax collector stood at a distance and he would not even look up from heaven. What does that tell you about his heart position? But he but beat his breast, which when it, when it says that in the Bible, beat, beating your breast was a sign of deep remorse and grief like just pouring like like uncontrollable grief he beat his breast and said god have mercy on me a sinner this man is broken he's broken before god that's where his heart position is will he be broken before god tomorrow i don't know but in this passage this man is broken right? He's beating his chest with grief over his sin. His words are few. Did you notice how many more words the Pharisees said than the tax collector? So what does that tell you about many words? My wife's like, take the hint. <laughs> but his words were few but genuine and reflective of his heart's position before God. And, his, and the position of his heart was right with genuine remorse and, and humility like, God, 
I know I messed up. I'm sorry. Please have mercy on me, a sinner. He's coming to God in humility. God, I can't do it on my own. I've messed up. I need you. I need you to be in. I need, to, I, I need you to embrace me again. And that's all it takes. God will. God will. He's always waiting. He's always waiting. So the heart position is so different between these two. But the outward position is, the outward position is different, but the heart position is what Jesus is looking at. He's, trying, he's describing the heart position. And, and really, the other people, when Jesus was describing the Pharisee, that would not have been shocking to them. That was just cultural. That's just what was, right? But when he goes on to say, um, in verse 14, I tell you the truth that this man, the tax collector, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. See, this goes back to the position of your heart. You can do all the right things. You can know all the right language. But if the position of your heart is somewhere else, it's not going to mean anything. It's not going to mean anything. Jesus addresses this, this very thing in Luke chapter 6. And again, this is one of my favorite passages in the Bible. I've taught about this so many times, but I just love it. I feel like it's such good, um, solid scriptural foundation. Luke chapter 6, 43 through 45. No good tree bears bad fruit, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. Each tree is recognized by its own fruit. People do not pick figs from thorn bushes or grapes from briars. Now listen to this. A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart, and an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. Right? And so I want to I want to just challenge you guys as the worship team comes up. I just want to challenge you I want you to evaluate your heart's position right now. And what, what, um, what fruit have you been seeing in your own life? I want to just issue this challenge because sometimes I feel like we can, we can have all the outward stuff dialed in but our heart position is right, and we don't know where to begin to step back from that outward position and get our hearts right. And so here's my challenge for anyone who's feeling this message in their own life is I want you, one, make time in your day to spend with Jesus. It doesn't have to be overwhelming. It could be a few minutes but take some time to spend 
with Jesus and spend some time recounting the things that God has done for you. And, and spend some time meditating on gratitude towards Jesus. Because thankfulness comes from a place of embracing humility. Lord, thank you for what you've done in my life. I can't see what you're doing right now, but I know you're faithful. And rather than trying to prove your worth to God by your actions, allow yourself to come to the place of humility and understanding that only Jesus is truly worthy. And it's through him and his grace and forgiveness he makes us worthy. Begin to center your heart daily in Jesus and allow your actions to flow out from that heart's position. A really great practice for this that I want to share with you guys just briefly is called daily offices. And, it, and there's many different forms of it. Um, but basically, it's you set aside time every day, three separate times to, to, for silence before God, to just breathe slowly, recognize his presence, and pray, and, and maybe read a scripture. It's uh, the daily offices are morning, midday, and evening. And so some people set times on their phone, like timers or uh, notifications on their phone that like at 12, 15 every day, I'm just going to stop for two minutes and just breathe and recognize the presence of God is here right now with me. And, I, and, I'm, and I'm grateful for that. You know, it doesn't have to be a long, involved thing, um, but morning, midday, and night is a routine that is, is, is a really beautiful rhythm of, of setting your heart position, right? Especially if you're, if you're feeling in need of it. Like, we're going into the holidays, and as much as I love Christmas and Thanksgiving, they can also be stressful, you know, you have your mother-in-law asking you hard questions. Like, what are you doing with your life, right? Where are the presents going to come from this year, like, financially? You know, like, there, there's all kinds of stresses. Traffic, oh, my Lord, holiday traffic. Come on, can I get an amen on that? Holy cow. There are all kinds of different stresses in the holidays. And, and as your friend, your family member, and your pastor, I want to encourage you to get your heart positioned correctly. Get it positioned in gratitude and thankfulness of Jesus. And I just know, I just know that the Lord will bless you for it. He's not going to come any closer than he already is to you, but you might come closer to him. Amen? Amen. 
All right, well, I want to pray now. And uh, if, if any of this, you know, brought up prayer requests or struck a nerve that you want to talk, I'm around after service. I'd be glad to hang out and chat with you um, and pray for you. And I know others would as well. So um, let me pray. Jesus, thank you for who you are. Thank you that you never shied away from the truth and, and, and that you shared it in, in a way that we can understand, that we can grasp, Lord. Father, let our words and actions match our heart position. Lord, the world doesn't need any more phony Christians and any more phony Jesus followers. We need people who are going after the life of Jesus and living it out and sharing it with others and sharing it with people who don't know Jesus. You have the power, Jesus, to resurrect a, a, a dead, broken life into a life that is fruitful for your kingdom. Lord, I'm an example of that. Lord, you pulled me out of the pit Jesus, I pray, Lord, I want nothing more than for you to do that for others, Lord. So make my words and actions reflective of my heart's position. Lord, let's begin to be vulnerable and honest about where we're at so that we can really address it. for those few words of the tax collector and Lord I just I just echo them now in my own life and maybe my friends here like want to echo it in their own life but Lord have mercy on me a sinner Lord have mercy on me I just, I feel like the Lord wants to do something right now. I don't, I don't know what it is, but I just pray right now that, that whatever it is that the Lord may be speaking to your heart, that you wouldn't immediately shut it out, that you wouldn't dismiss it, but that you would listen, that you would listen with an open heart and an open mind. And not only would you listen, but you would share it with a trusted friend. I just get the sense that the Lord is doing something in somebody's life right now. Thank you, Jesus. Father, it's your name that we lift on high this morning worthy of all of our praise. Thank you for what you're doing. And it's in your name that we pray. The name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. You are listening to the official podcast of The Mission Redlands. For more information, visit us at themissionredlands.com.